Welcome Swifties to Pathological People Pleasers, the podcast where two queer Latinas go in-depth into Taylor Swift's every song. I'm Dahlia. And I'm Mason. We talk lyrics, five holes in the fence, rumors, metaphors, and share our own life experiences when we were happy, free, confused, and lonely at the same time. We're not waiting to meet at midnight. Let's get right into it. Hello Swifties, welcome to the first official season of Pathological People Pleasers. I'm Dahlia and we have Mason on the line being a true trooper here fighting through a little bit of the sniffles. Uh, We are going to kick off our first season with the 1989 album and this episode will just be to get our thoughts on the album as a whole, both the our favorite songs, least favorite songs, that kind of thing, how we felt about the themes Taylor was trying to convey with this album. And then in the following episodes, we'll go through each song in much more detail. All right, kicking us off with our first question. Mason, do you want to go into a little bit about general thoughts or opinions on what the themes of these this album was? Absolutely. So I've got like a bit of a notes up here from what i jotted down this album essentially is what taylor describes as it's not a happy album but it's not a sad album 1989 pretty much represents um looking back in retrospect with like a wistful a wistful perspective on uh, more complex relationships in comparison to her previous albums where whenever she experienced a heartbreak it was expressed in more contempt but this is essentially 1989 as a whole it's like what i can best describe as a reawakening or a rebirth of her image and artistry so what i love about this album is that like it's her i don't want to say i don't know if it's like her first real well yeah Going from country to pop, this is essentially the record that blew everyone away, that showed how much Taylor can do, not just on a lyrical level, but artistically and production-wise. 1989 is just... It's just that album, what can I say? Yeah, definitely. If I had to use one word to describe this album, it would be iconic. I've been listening to it in its entirety over the last couple of days to prepare for this recording and really it's just from the energy this album gives off to the one-liner quotes that every single one of these songs has to the music videos, everything from this album is just what people think of when they think of Taylor Swift, even years later. Exactly. The way this album had a death grip on the music industry, I will never forget it. And it just shows how masterful Taylor is at like transitioning from genre to genre. 1989, it's like I can best describe as kind of a landmark, I'd say, Mm -hmm. in terms of her like musical artistry. Yeah, it was such a huge transition and such a big deal at the time to go from country to full-on pop and not only making that transition but also 
setting the mark for pop in that era. Like, she didn't just come in to be one more pop artist. She came in to be the pop artist. Absolutely. Even being deemed the music industry as a whole, which is a title well-deserved. Yeah, most definitely. All right, so do you happen to remember listening to this album for the first time and how you originally felt about the album way back in 2014? Ah, okay, I'm trying to remember how old I was when the album dropped, (laughs) but I remember as a kid just sitting in the backseat of my mom's car, kind of, you know, being driven to school or being driven home from school and hearing the song just shake it off playing on the radio or even, like, going to Wendy's with my mom and hearing or seeing the music video for Wildest Dreams, like, on the TV. The first time I heard the 1989 album was through the single, Shake It Off. I thought it was very catchy. I thought it was just, like, such a fun song because it just shows... Or the theme of that song is kind of Taylor rejecting and ignoring the criticism she's getting, or not criticisms, but like more misogynistic uh, critiques about her, how she goes from like boyfriend to boyfriend to write songs about them. It's like also kind of, as we previously talked about in our pilot episode, enjoying her femininity, having fun with it making fun of what people say about her like oh my ex friend or my ex man's got a new girlfriend like oh my god i'm just going to shake or or better yet a better lyric i go on too many dates but i can't make them stay it's just like having fun with mm-hmm. it but um shake it off was my favorite song when i heard it for the first time i see people nowadays saying like oh shake it off is just like so overplayed so overdone it's overrated and I agree that it was overplayed at the time. Well, to, well, I mean, to be fair, it was a pop hit. It was everywhere. You couldn't escape it. But I was the one who really liked it the most. I, I'm a shake it off, ride or die. But the first time I heard the album in full, I'd say it was actually 2020. Because, I know, shocking. But, um... <laughs> 2014 was a rough fucking year. I don't know if you know that. But, um... Or I'm thinking 2016. Well, roughly within the the release of 1989, as well as, like, what happened in 2016, I didn't really... I think I was just so... There was so much going on in my life, I didn't really have time to listen to the full album, besides, like, hearing the singles on the radio. But... 2020 when I fully jumped in on the Swifty train I was like you know what fuck it I'm having fun I'm just gonna listen to the albums that she's created and I can't wait to listen to 1989 Taylor's version when that comes out on October 27th but I remember staying up one night during the pandemic like okay I'm gonna listen to this because I feel like this is a crime that I haven't listened to it in full and I felt like I was a kid again I was having a fun time. I really, really love it. It's like second place in my ranking of her albums, Reputation being first. Also, speaking of Reputation, we were actually planning on discussing Reputation as our first album for season one, but in lieu of uh, 1989 Taylor's version releasing in two months, we decided, you know what? 
we're going to talk about that album. We're going to talk about 1989, the movement that it created, how it, w it had such an impact on us culturally, musically, artistically. And then when Reputation comes, or when the re-recorded version of that comes, we'll shift to it. But yeah, I didn't listen to 1989 in full until 2020, and I've just been adoring it since. Yeah, I think we both weren't really Swifties back in 2014. I definitely listened to the album, loved it. Don't have any particular memories to associate with it. Uh, nowadays, since I've listened and analyzed so much of Taylor's mu music, I can definitely go back and hear just how much, how amazing she was even then. And it's one of the reasons why we were debating about do we do 1989 do we do rep i personally wanted to do a pop album or pop-ish album first i didn't want to start with folklore or evermore the more indie albums that got all the acknowledgement to her lyricism because there's so much lyricism in 1989 anyway just because it has a pop sound doesn't mean that it there wasn't so much meaning to it in there. And I personally think the album is both like very honest and blunt as well as exaggerated and sarcastic. I think you mentioned earlier about the media's portrayal of her and I don't think she was so much ignoring it per se as like very clearly playing in to the exaggerated uh, role like with Blink Space music video where she just takes a golf club to his sporty car. I don't so much think that Taylor would ever actually do that. I think it was portraying her emotions of she, I think she does get jealous. I think she would be hurt if her partner was on the phone rather than enjoying quality time with her. I think she might sometimes pick fights, maybe even yell, but is she going to throw a painting? Is she going to actually destroy the person's car? Probably not. <laughs> but the Blink's Fix music video was both like leaning into that crazy ex persona that the media painted, not only her, but a lot of women with. And was perhaps even a peek into her mind about her impulsive or intrusive thoughts when she is in the height of her emotions. And I remember reading for the Midnight's album how at the time so many people were critiquing it because she said it was some of her most honest and vulnerable writing, but then it was just some of her most straightforward lyrics and again going back to that pop sound but I can't remember which review it was that noted that maybe she's doing it on purpose maybe she is covering up some of her most vulnerable and honest music with the pop sound so that she can distract you with that and you won't actually like process everything she's actually saying about herself I couldn't have said it better myself honestly because yes this album does have a pop sound but that doesn't diminish the fact that those lyrics that she's woven into this album they're honest they're blunt they're real and so many people relate to them and that like you can't take that away like audiences have found themselves and their situations represented in songs like out of the woods i wish you would how to get the girl wildest dreams mm -hmm. that is just such a gift and there's also this um, message that you can see in the Out of the Woods music video where 
It states she lost him, but she found herself, and somehow that was everything. Like, it tells the story of this girl who, you know, is kind of in a new city, in a new place. She's kind of embracing this freedom, but also at the same time, they're, these are the, um, she experiences relationships that, you know, have rocky situations, like out of the woods, style, and wildest dreams to an extent. And then, you know, when she gets out of those situations, there is a heartbreak that's real. And the moving on part, like, I think I am finally clean. And then at the end of the day, she finds herself. And the way Taylor also expresses that, you can very much tell that with the production, with this pop sound, it's like, yeah, this is a rebirth. This is like a kind of coming of age album. I'd I'd say. Yeah, and that's usually the moments where I love to listen to it most when I have, nowadays, when I have like those raw emotions that aren't logical or reasonable, but I don't want to be, I don't want to do the self-care thing. I don't want to be logical. I just want to feel these emotions of either betrayal or heartbreak or crazy crushes or whatever and I think that's what 1989 did so well she captured that energy of the sort of reckless love obsessed youth that can capture some of us so well because uh, she in, sh- in so many of her lyrics she's just like leave me stranded it's so romantic we are too busy dancing she's like too busy to like look in the ma- mirror and really ask ourselves why are we so insecure why are we so impulsive why do we anger easily there's no reflection like who is healing anyway ew no, there's none of that like let's instead romanticize the heartbreak romanticize the betrayal and it's all on the other person that did me wrong i'd love as I was listening to 1989, I just kept thinking about Lover, because in Lover you have Afterglow, and I forgot that you existed, and the Archer, where it feels like she is being more introspective about her pain and her role and her insecurities played in her relationships, where in 1989, especially with like Bad Blood, it's just a list of every way the other person wronged her. Nothing about how maybe she had a role to play in what happened there. She takes that one step past anger and pettiness in Lover, and but 1989 captured so well in every single one of those songs that youthful energy. And I really just appreciate that because I still go back to it. And it's funny you should mention Clean because from what I've heard, uh, isn't the story that she wrote Clean and then five or six weeks later she wrote Style about how she still keeps going back to that same person? And I just think that's like the personification of this album. You think you're out of the woods, but really you go right back into those potentially self-destructive behaviors. That's what I love about it because growth and recovery isn't linear. She states that she thinks she is finally clean at the end of the song, but a la style, she goes back to that person. There's no way to recover from somebody who wronged you. Oftentimes, you might want to give in to that instance of going back to that person, having a little bit of that taste of the addiction. And then when you do act on it, you'll sometimes you'll take a step back and you'll realize, okay, this is what caused me to get hurt. Let me just eject myself from the situation and reevaluate. 
and I hope I'm correct in stating this, but I'm hoping that Clean is like the last song on the regular track list. But I think it's also kind of poetic that she ends the album this way because so much of what we've seen on it is like, or heard, is this zany, whimsical, fun way of ignoring your problems or ignoring the fact that you might be causing problems and then realizing at the end that, no, I can recover from this and I can be better. It's something I, that I call coming of, coming of age. How, you know, you kind of reassess and you realize like, okay, this is like a step of maturity for me. I've done things that were reckless, but, you know, now I can look back on it and realize, hey, this is part of life. This is part of my life. This is how I got through this situation and how I can get through other situations like these with what I know now. Favorite songs on this album? For me, it would really be Shake It Off, of course, as the titular album. Uh, then Style, I Know Places, just that fast beat energy that those songs have. And on a personal note, I wish you would. <laughs> it's definitely one of the songs I tend to listen to the most just because I feel like that's generally the mindset I get in when a crush doesn't go my way particularly. It's just like, oh, if only we could have a second shot at it, it would, things would be great. In terms of my favorite songs from when I listened to the album versus now, I'd say in 2020 when I listened to it in full, my favorite songs at the time were out of the woods, blank space, still shake it off, wildest dreams. I I think I already stated that, but um, there wasn't many songs, really, that stuck in my head like those specific numbers. Oh, you are in love. How could I forget that one? But whereas now, where I think of the album, where I see it, my favorite songs are. Still out of the woods, blank space, shake it off. But now there's, again, you are in love. I know places, how to get, how you get the girl. Welcome to New York. Wonderland, new romantics. And still you are in love. I feel like it's not right for me to rank these songs. Like, oh, here's going to be, here's what's going to be in first place. Here's what's going to be in second. I, I don't feel right doing that because each of these songs tell so beautiful stories in their own right so many beautiful stories in their own right and I don't feel like it's right of me to do that I don't know like this song is just one not this song but this album is just one of a kind I don't feel like it'd be right for me to just you know deem which one is better which one is worse you know um over the years I don't think the list has changed too much I do feel like all you had to do was stay as an underappreciated song, especially for a track 5 song. Sometimes I would get confused as to why that one got the track 5 listing, but we can get into that a little bit more once we talk about it. I do think it has its redeeming qualities. And then Wel- Welcome to New York for me um, was something one that I had to grow, obviously being an LA native. I wasn't 100% on board with the theme, but as we can get into it in the next episode, the energy and vibe and just like state of mentality of being so confident of taking on a new challenge is definitely something that 
everyone needs and it was a great way to kick off the album with absolutely yeah uh welcome to new york was a bit of a grower on me despite me being from new york city myself i feel like because <laughs> it was just played everywhere it was played in the movies even or tv shows like nowhere i went did it not play so it only took me actually very recently i'd say like 2020 and then again in 2023 to kind of just listen to it again a couple of times and really like think about the lyrics think about what the song represents but we're gonna discuss that when we get to that episode of the podcast yeah uh, were there any other songs on the album that had to grow on you? I know Places had to grow on me. Yes. Really? Even though I listened to the album in its entirety in 2020, I listened to the song once and I told myself, okay, that's enough. Let's move on. Same for All You Had to Do Was Stay. And I was going to say mm-hmm. How You Get the Girl, but no. I was listening to that every now and then. But All You Had to Do Was Stay and I Know Places definitely had to grow on me. And... Obviously, there's nothing wrong with those songs, but, you know, it, it just was a matter of personal taste at the time, I guess. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we love all of her songs, but, you know, there's just some that are closer to our hearts than others. All right. Oh, I did want to bring up the interesting fact that I saw while I was doing light research for this. Um, 1989 was kind of the catalyst or the first album she took off streaming services uh spotify in particular i guess this was around the time where streaming really was taking off and she only left it on paid subscription services after the fact she felt like the fact spotify paid differently whether it was a free ad user listening to the song versus a paid subscription definitely screwed the artist in a sense uh and i just remember for the longest times especially after reputation came out that it just she wasn't on streaming services and that definitely drove up the album sales i'm sure but it was an interesting move and from what i know when she finally did break a deal with spotify it was not only for her benefit the terms on that contract impacted all artists to get a little bit more of the share of the profit. Absolutely, because from what I recall reading as well, granted, probably not to the extent that you did, I remember seeing, again, like Spotify having like a three-free-month service, correct me if I'm wrong, and again, with Spotify not really paying her, and um, with Spotify not really paying her as well as other artists much within that period for new users coming in like she obviously and rightfully so had an issue with it same for apple music as well i remember seeing a picture of a letter she wrote to them but we're gonna unpack that in a second okay so this goes back to june 21st 2015 a few days ago it was confirmed that taylor swift's hugely successful album 1989 would not be available to stream on the new apple music platform uh this morning taylor swift put an open letter to apple on her tumblr detailing why she isn't making it available which understandably a lot of other people aren't too happy about apple's plan to not pay any royalties to artists or labels during apple music's three-month free trial period 
same uh, same issue that she had with Spotify, but I guess just more exacerbated on Apple Music's part. Three months, or pardon me, quotes, three months is a long time to go unpaid and it is unfair to ask anybody to work for nothing. We don't ask you for free iPhones. Please don't ask us to provide you with our music for no compensation, end quote. She admits that she herself isn't struggling for cash and she could take the hit there. But quote, this is not about me. This is about the new artists or bands that have just released their first singles and will not be paid for its success, end quote. Yeah, I feel like that's something that doesn't get talked about a lot. Like, why don't non-Taylor fans talk about this? Why do they just talk about how many men she's dated? Because Taylor has, throughout her career not only fought for herself but fought for other artists as well exactly that's a lot of people tend to forget that and it doesn't make sense to me because yes she writes heartbreaking songs about you know the feelings she experiences after a relationship has failed but you can't just define that as her career there's more to her she's multifaceted she stands up for other people not just herself and that's very valuable you don't really see that often yeah, most definitely. Anything else on the 1989 album you'd like to touch on for this episode? If you want to talk about, like, other feelings or thoughts on the album, any inspiration we've taken from it into our projects, feel free. The floor is open. Mm. For the listeners, both Mason and I are writers, and we do a lot of writing with fan fiction on AO3. And Mason is also an artist. And for me, I actually way back in the day started what I call the Taylor Swift project. So when I really wanted some inspiration to build up a semi-routine of writing, I just put all of Taylor Swift's songs into a Google Doc and was like and kept track of which ones I had used for inspiration. Fellow fanfic writers or readers will know that Taylor Swift songs commonly get used uh, for titles or inspiration in that field, and I feel like it's just very reminiscent of, again, the impact Taylor has had for the music industry, but also the impact she's had on various creators, possibly in ways she isn't even aware of to this day. Um, I do know I made, I'm looking over it now, and I wrote a song inspired by blank space there was definitely one from out of the woods uh, both of these were for smaller fandoms but it was the types of relationships that just are perfect analogies to 1989 of are we together we're not really together we both have so much baggage we're trying to make it work the love is there but we're too young and still don't quite know how to properly process our emotions or communicate uh so we're going to end up hurting each other but we'll come back to each other again and out of the woods and blake space were just amazing songs to help inspire this writing particularly with out of the woods i actually did have it it wasn't a car crash but Basically, character B is in a gang uh, in the webcomic that this fanfiction is based off of. And I just had it as character B, of course, gets in a very violent fight. And character A sort of has to 
confront their feelings uh, now that they were faced with the prospect of potentially losing character B and it kind of sort of helped character A realize that yes I'm scared of being vulnerable and showing my emotions showing my cards but the the other choice is just losing you entirely so out of those two options I'm going to take a leap of faith and I'm going to move in with you after a year of you begging me to and essentially show you how much I care about you. So I feel like Out of the Woods was perfect for that song because it highlighted those really intense emotions of wanting, or like, are we are we there yet? Are we okay? Are we on a stable footing now? Um, and yeah, so that, the, yeah, Out of Those 1989 inspired those two stories for me beautiful i absolutely love that there's also another story you wrote based on wildest dreams that (laughs) um i will Uh, i will say it's one of my favorites it's what actually led me to meeting you and talking to you because i was just so enamored by your writing i was in love with what you were writing i wanted to see more that you were creating and beautiful start to a beautiful friendship um so for that song i'll try not to give too much away or what you wrote but the theme of wildest dreams is about or the premise of it is it speaks of an affair with an apparently untrustworthy man and incorporates a sultry dramatic atmosphere accompanied by string instruments so the theme of the song is essentially like this is getting good now we might not last but you know, we'll make it count in the time that we have right now, even if it's just in your wildest dreams. Um, that story, mm-hmm. you wrote a story where character B, no, character one and character two from this sitcom, um, character one has had feelings for character two for a long time, I'd say, and it's always been a one-sided crush. Like, oh, this person isn't, like, gonna fall for me, whatever. Like, I'm just gonna keep pining. But something happens between them where they're getting drunk and they go home and character one thinks, you know what, whatever, like, I'm just gonna go. Like, probably nothing's gonna come up this. And character two acts on their feelings, which leads to a passionate night, which they wake up from. And character one is in disbelief that it actually happened and isn't believing that it's real. Like, did we actually go through this together? Did Was this something we experienced? And character two is trying to, dis- like, not trying to describe, but trying to convince them, like, yes, this is what happened. The feelings I have for you are real. And character two has been known to be unstable in the past has had problems with mental health, has also had problems committing to relationships. If you know, you know. But um, after character one realizes that this is real, that character two has these real feelings that he they want to act on, they're able to initiate this relationship, which I think is, like, kind of the ant- antithesis of, like, the song. Like, Yes, this relationship is, like, it's not going to last, but, well, it's going to get good for however short it'll be. 
Whereas the story you wrote is like, no, we're going to keep on going and this is going to be good. This is getting good. It's going to stay that way. It's not going to fall apart. Yeah, like opposite to Taylor songs, I usually like to give my characters a happy ending. <laughs> <laughs> so even with Out of the Woods, they actually do make it out of the woods and they do get their happy ending as well. Um, but thank you so much for reminding me of this song. Uh, speaking again to Taylor's impact, this was the song Wild the Streams was based on was for a very small niche little fandom and ship. So you actually then submitted an Anon request for a prompt of, hey, can you write a little story for these two characters about this? And it was only supposed to be a quick little one shot, a quick 3,000, 5,000 word spiel, um, which then turned into a two part series of the longest stories at the time I had ever written. And one of them is still incomplete. I'm so sorry. It's Mason. okay. Uh, but it, <laughs> it it brought us together. And I love the reminder of here we are three years later talking about Taylor Swift when Taylor Swift was the original thing that was the original way we found each other. Yeah. I'm already like getting emotional. What the fuck? But yeah, that <laughs> it's a testament to how not only is she amazing at artistically describing her feelings, telling these stories in such a beautiful musical level, but also, you know, sharing these experiences that people can relate to, that people can connect with other people to, even so much as like writing stories about them through different characters for different fandoms. That's incredible. And I'm so thankful for how she brought us together I don't think I could ever say that enough, honestly. Yeah, most definitely. Well, that is a really sweet little note to end this one on. Now I'm getting all emotional about how important 1989 actually yeah. is to both of our friendships. <laughs> I'm gonna, like, cry. What the hell? Stop. <laughs> but, yeah, this, again, just, I couldn't have said it better myself, yeah. No. Well, listener, I hope this podcast will help bring us together as well. And maybe in a couple years down the line, we'll have a similar story. Thank you so much for listening. As you may have been able to tell, we have a lot to say about these songs. And we can't wait to continue recording and get into each song in its own special little po podcast episode. Alrighty. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Mason. And I'm Dahlia. And we hope that, you know, what you take from this is that you're loved, that, that, yeah, just, we have nothing but the best wishes for you. And we hope that you have a good day or evening or night, whenever you're listening to this, just know that yeah, just know that. And you never know when you're going to find your platonic soulmate out there. Very true. Are we platonic soulmates? We're definitely creative soulmates, right? We've helped each other out so much with our creative arts. Yep, very true. 
All right. Thanks for listening, listeners. Please follow us on Instagram at Pathological People Pleasers Cast uh, for more updates. You can also follow us on Instagram. Our individual accounts will be linked in the bio of our page. So if you want to give us a follow or support us directly, feel free. But to support the podcast, just follow us on Instagram. And in the near future, we hope to have more profiles across social media for, uh, for you to find us. Bye, everyone. Bye.